If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. We accept that when children mess up or when children have fun, but it's not okay as an adult to mess up or have fun. And working with the STEAM Symposium and seeing the conference live, it's so beautiful to see adults really embrace their inner child and say, actually, we want to be learning and growing with our students. Exciting new ideas and a sense of wonder are at the core of the California STEAM Symposium. Annually, nonprofit Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation, in partnership with the California Department of Education and the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls, co-hosts this two-day event for education professionals. And it's all about combining science, technology, engineering, art, and math in new ways that get students and educators excited about learning and applying what they've learned to their lives, interests, and futures. Ashley Alvarez is the communications intern for California's Dedicated to Education Foundation, and she's at the heart of the preparations for the 11th Annual California STEAM Symposium, which is going to be happening this February 9th and 10th in Long Beach. And you're invited. Ashley, how did you first discover your passion for early childhood education? Sure, that's a bit of a a story, actually. I really became passionate about education entering college, but it wasn't really until about two years into my undergraduate career that I honed in on early childhood care and education as a particular area of passion. At the time, it was the summer before my, I want to say my third year of college, and I was a congressional intern in D.C., and I was assigned to the education staffer, and I was just, it was a typical intern task, read a, read a letter that was sent to the congresswoman and write a memo about it. And I felt so naive when I read that letter because I was reading and I was like, oh my goodness, I had never thought about this. And I'm studying education and I've seen it all around me in my community, this early learning happening, and I never had the words for it. So that is how I became so passionate. The more I learned, the more I really became interested in making change in that area. What startled you about that letter? What was in that letter that, oh, I didn't know this? This is a bit a bit political. It was back when President Biden was constructing his reconciliation package and Build Back Better had included childcare funding. Unfortunately, when Build Back Better became the Inflation Reduction Act, all of that childcare funding was excluded. Wow. Incidentally, you've written a wonderful series on LinkedIn that really opened my eyes because I was looking at FFN information that you publish, families, friends, and neighbors taking care of children. I'm absolutely stunned at how few resources there seem to be and how little childcare providers get paid. That was really an eye-opener. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it was. That was eye-opening for me as well. I conducted that project with support from a current employer, Early Edge California, and it was done in part for fulfillment of my education requirement at Harvard. And like while I was conducting the project, again, it was an eye-opener for me because a lot of these folks I've seen in my community, but I'd never had the term FFN caregiver to know, oh, that's actually someone who's providing essential care. And I just never had that word. I never heard that term before I read your article. So thank you for the education on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Now for I'm going to brag on you. 
you were just about to graduate from Harvard. What did you bring with you from your own education that you're going to be using in the future as an educational advocate and educator to educate other young people? Sure. That's also a bit of a story. I had a whirlwind education experience through K through 12. So for elementary school, I was based in LA. I went to a local elementary school. And when you're about elementary, so you're what, five through 10 years old, you don't really understand what's going on. It wasn't until later that my mom made it very clear to me, by the way, when you were going to this elementary school at the time, it was the worst academically performing school in LAUSD. And LAUSD is the, I mean, it's the second largest district in the country. So that told me a lot about what type of education and resources were available to students who attended. And that was actually what influenced partly why she transferred me to a charter school for middle school. I was part of that charter school's founding class. And from that charter school, I received the support to apply to and get a scholarship from a boarding school in New England. So I had this very interesting career in which I went to a public school, then a charter school, and then a boarding school in New England. And I could compare across all three experiences. And it was very clear to me from personal experience, the educational inequities that are experienced based on race, based on income, based on geographic location. And it was something that I carried with me into college and why I was really passionate about education. What would you really love to do as far as your dream job once you graduate this spring? I've been thinking a lot about it. If I could wave a magic wand, I would just have the financial resources maybe to go to graduate school, learn as much more as I possibly can, and do some policy work, perhaps do something in advocacy and policy work, specifically, most likely in early childhood education. It's just an area I'm so passionate about. And when I think about it, I just imagine children most of the time when I'm talking about it. And it makes me very, very there's sort of a warming in my heart where I'm like, oh, these children are probably half my size. And just like me, they might not even know the terms for what's going on around them. And I want to be that advocate for children and families. This is going to be an exciting career. You <laughs> on board, I think, with California STEAM Symposium in 2020. What do you remember best about that time? I think you spoke with Glennon and Karen before, and they're such a lovely, lovely team. And that's probably why I keep going back to working with the CDE Foundation. What I remember best, it was my first paid internship. And I remember distinctly, these are words I still tell Glennon that I carry with me, that I had had an internship before that and it was unpaid. But I expected it. I was like, oh, I'm young. I don't have experience. It's okay that I'm not paid. And I had gone into this internship again thinking, I'm getting experience. It's okay if I'm not getting paid. And I remember Glenn looking at me horrified and was like, you do know you have value and you're contributing to this team. Don't ever settle for less. You should have a paid internship. Other fields do it. Education should also do it. And it, it really struck with me and it stayed with me for all these years because it really taught me how valuable I am as a person, that my time and experience is valuable. And I appreciated hearing that from Glennon. It's awesome, the power of words. Mm -hmm. And especially one string of them at any point in your life and what they can do, sending you one way or the other. Exactly, exactly. And it, it stays with me. I was 18 years old. I had just graduated high school. And to hear from somebody so well-respected in the education community that, that I'm also, that I should be respected as well, it, 
it stuck with me. Fast forward to now, where the California STEAM Symposium is just about to happen in Long Beach the 9th and 10th of February. What's going on right now as you get ready for it? So much is going on. My inbox is flooded and I'm so excited. I am the communications intern for the California STEAM Symposium. Very, very happy about that. And right now it's our fourth annual speak series. So I birthed that project when I first started interning with Glennon and Karen. And it's continuing every year. I'm so excited to see presenters. They essentially submit 30 to 60 second videos and I edit them. I put them in a template and then I broadcast it on social media and newsletters. And what I love about that is that I'm not trying to sell the conference. I'm just asking presenters. You are the one who will be presenting and sharing and distributing your knowledge. I don't need to speak. You are the one who should just be promoting your content because it's amazing. And that's exactly what I've been seeing online when I've looked at this about all voices need to be heard. And you're going to have a wide variety of people talking about what they're doing. Let's go there in our imagination right now. I'm going to ask you, and do I understand correctly that you have more of an arts and humanities slant than science? Is that right? That is true. Yes. Okay, then I'm going to ask you to take me there in your imagination right now. We're going to California STEAM Symposium 2024, and I'd like you to show me some of these sessions that are going on right now that would mean a lot to anybody in humanities and arts that shows them they belong here in STEAM. Oh, that's such an amazing question, because this week I actually, we have sort of themes in the conference, so you can choose different themes and see sessions that are attributed to those themes. One of those themes is Makerspace, for instance. So you can go to different events, different sessions, and these Makerspace events are specifically catered to folks who maybe are hands-on, want to incorporate hands-on project or play-based learning into their classrooms. And it's incredible because I am more of a, I don't want to say visual learner, but it definitely helps me when there's something there. And especially for children, that's incredibly critical. So the makerspace is a theme that I would encourage folks to check out. Literacy is present at the STEAM Symposium. So you can look out for certain sessions that have to do with literacy. What do we get to make in the makerspace? I attended the in-person STEAM Symposium last year for the first time. And I still have such a vivid memory of the Lego folks and their session. They bring Lego kits for all of the attendees, and the attendees can actually enact what their students can conduct in their own classrooms with Legos. And it's so critical. There's so much research about play-based and project-based learning at all ages. And to see grown adults have so much fun, just like children do, was it such a sight. I saw the kid emerge in so many people in the makerspace when I was there. You had rockets going off. Like, yeah. And people were screaming and they were having a wonderful time. Literacy is something that is so key. How do we get sessions going on literacy where the kids are going to be engaged as opposed to simply read pages six to seven and then write a book report? I think that's exactly why folks should go to the STEAM Symposium. I have a few sessions that I'd love to actually share right now that have to do with literacy. Let me provide you with some. There are some in the makerspace that I wanted to highlight, there's, for instance, incorporating mechanical engineering into the math classroom, right? Math isn't, and it should not be. Here's a multiplication set, you're timed one minute, fill out as many as you can. It should be physical. There should be a learning and visual aspect, especially for our youngest learners. 
for literacy, we just highlighted literacy this week. There is one session that I'm incredibly excited about, about the language of science. We just promoted it on our social media channels. And it actually includes multilingual learners when it talks about the language of science. So we're in California, multilingual learners make up an incredibly large portion of the learners in the classroom. So it's important to think about not just literacy for English-speaking students, but how do we include multilingual learners into that conversation? Tell me a little bit more about the language of science. We've got the Artemis generation coming up. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that we're covering in different languages than English about something like the Artemis moonshot, about space science, about anything the kids are going to find exciting? Well, at the STEAM symposium, there's a few different sessions that really address all of those strands put together. There's another one in addition to the language of science session. There is the stems of STEAM, which is exactly to your point, literacy for the future. How do we think about literacy in STEM and including as many learners as possible, especially with future generations? I think I count as Gen Z. So that's, I'm right at the precipice of that generation. And I'm really excited to see kids embrace literacy. I have two younger siblings who are still in K through 12. So that's especially close and dear to my heart. This is going to be the most amazing series. What are some of your favorite ways of giving agency to somebody who's a humanities-oriented student? I think making it sure that children feel it's okay if they're wrong. It's okay if they, quote unquote, mess up. The beauty of STEM that I've learned, especially with my interactions with the symposium, is that when done correctly, STEAM can be such a beautiful space for children to learn when it's not done in a way that makes children feel bad or scared, as you mentioned, but in a way where a child may feel scared, but they also feel confident that their teacher or their educator will support them. What are some of the projects that might do that there at the symposium or some of the sessions? I think exactly some of those sessions we were discussing earlier, the makerspace, for instance, When you see your own educator excited about the material, when you see your teacher or whoever else is in the classroom really there with you and on the ground and creating something perhaps in the makerspace or just as involved in the material and passionate, you as a student will realize, oh, my teacher cares about this, cares about me. And maybe if your teacher messes up, it'll teach you, oh, it's okay if I mess up too. That is such an important lesson. Before we leave science, was there anything else that I failed to ask you about the language of science that you'd really love to tell me? Because that just sounds like such a cool concept. The language of science. So I'll have to shout out the presenter of that session, Justin Jansen. He was bravely one of the first to submit a promotional video, and he's really excited. So go see his session on Saturday, February 10th. Which, before we continue, where can people get more information about registering for the California STEAM Symposium? Good thing you have a communications intern. Please go to steamcalifornia.org. Steamcalifornia.org. Now, if people don't hear this until the last minute, are tickets available at the door as well? If it's just simply you sign up online? You can do both, yes. Tickets will be available at the door. Ashley pointed out a don't-miss feature of the California STEAM Symposium. The one thing about the symposium that I really, really want to highlight is to go to the keynote speakers. The keynote speakers are such a staple part of the symposium. And even if it's just for for 10 minutes, for five minutes, the whole time, sit down, take a breath from all the breakout sessions and just listen and learn. I'm going to ask you to tempt my audience here. Whom are we going to hear as a keynote speaker? We will have two keynote speakers. One of them is 
the creator of, I'm forgetting the name of that dome in Las Vegas, but he just created that dome. And the other one really combines computer science and dance. And what she does is she creates these costumes where you can dance and create figures with your body. I will have to send you these incredible images that they shared with us right now. And I wish people could see my screen because it's amazing. The first presenter, his name is Repik Anadol. And the second keynote speaker will be Mirar Kote. I hope that I'm pronouncing those names correctly. I would love to see the dance, especially. That just sounds incredible. Let's continue our imaginary journey through the California STEAM Symposium. And are we going to hear any student panels or anything? There will be a student panel at the STEAM Symposium. It is always a highlight of it. There is a specific student panel that I am happy to forward you after the podcast because it will be an incredible opportunity for folks to hear directly from those in K-12. There was a student panel last year that was an enormous hit for educators because it's brave for students to speak up in the classroom. It's especially brave for students to speak up in front of over a thousand presenters and other attendees. Wow. They'll never be afraid of anything in their lives and certainly not public speaking. That's wonderful. (laughs) What stood out to you, Ashley, is the most important lesson or one of the most important lessons you've learned from California STEAM Symposium as a future education professional? There's so many lessons. I'm trying to think of perhaps one of my most dear to my heart. It may be the beauty of, as I was mentioning, play as an adult, of embracing sometimes what we may call childlike mannerisms or childlike habits, because as an adult, we may feel as professionals, we can't act like a child. We're the we're the educators, we're the ones who are supposed to be the adults. But children we accept it when children mess up or when children have fun, but it's not okay as an adult to mess up or have fun. And working with the STEAM Symposium and seeing the conference live, it's so beautiful to see adults really embrace their inner child and say, actually, we want to be learning and growing with our students. Yeah, and that makes it exciting, I should think, the educational journey and the fact that we're all learning together. Yeah, it's so, so exciting. And the joy on adult spaces to do what what their students do and learn is incredible. How have you seen the world changing in such a way that you're going to have to do something different academically to prepare children to succeed? What are some of the changes you've seen and what are some of your answers to it as an educator? Oh, probably the problem or the issue that we've been talking about the most that comes to mind is actually in the letter STEAM, it's it's technology. With the pandemic and the shift to remote learning, and now that we're back in person for the majority and for the most part, and we're continuing to integrate technology, that's something that I hope that conferences like the STEAM Symposium will address and will equip educators for finding that fine line. How do we encourage digital literacy? How do we also encourage play and play-based learning? Let's also give some of your favorite resources. How do we prepare children to do as you've done, to go forward, go out of a school system that's not great, into a good one, and succeed? Yeah. To preface the question, I do wish that there were equal resources in all areas, not just outside of the school system. I so love public schools and I support the education system. I just wish that there was more equity across zip codes and across demographics. And 
geographic locations. And that is where I hope there's more resources to support specifically our most struggling learners or learners who may not have the same supports as someone else who can afford to acquire those supports financially. So one resource that I still pass on to my own siblings actually is Khan Academy. I learned so much from Khan Academy and there will be folks who say, oh, everybody knows about Khan Academy, but I'll speak to my siblings' friends and they're actually in middle and high school. So the very relevant areas and their friends sometimes do not know about Khan Academy or they don't know that they can Google learning to play guitar and YouTube videos will pop up and they can learn to play guitar. I wish there was more instruments to be distributed. I wish there was more funds for families who may not be able to afford to pursue artistic, the A in STEAM, the artistic curiosities. Yeah, I just wish there was more for our learners. What has been one moment at California STEAM Symposium that when you were there before just struck you as, yeah, this is why I'm here? I know exactly when it was. It was, we were speaking, all of us were just chattering, we were milling about, and the speak videos began to play. It was the promotional videos that I had created, and they began to play on the projector as folks were milling about and coming in to see a keynote. And I saw somebody point at the screen and say, oh my gosh, that's me, that's my session. And it was, again, that childlike wonder in an adult space to be so proud of something that they created and they spoke about and they excitedly turned to their friend and said, oh my gosh, it's my session. You should come to it later. And their friend immediately said, of course, of course I'll go. I didn't even know it was happening later today. And that's why I sat there and I forget who I was speaking with, but I had to pause. And I was like, this is exactly why I'm here. It is a bit my job as communications intern to make sure that people feel represented and feel their voices heard. It's just beautiful to see it in action. Final question is the signature question for my podcast. If people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from the work you're doing right now with California STEAM Symposium? I really want people to remember that they should continue learning. If you're an educator, if you're inside the classroom, outside the classroom, you were once in the classroom, you want to go to the classroom, you should continue learning and attending conferences or even speaking with someone at your workplace or having a casual conversation. Please continue learning. It is so important that we as adults continue to open our minds and do as the students and children that we are working with do every day. They go to school and they learn. We should make sure to do that too. Ashley, thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me, Dot. You and I have been listening to Californians dedicated to Education Foundation Communications intern and soon-to-be Harvard graduate Ashley Alvarez. The 11th Annual California STEAM Symposium, co-hosted by the CDE Foundation, the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls, and the California Department of Education, is happening Friday and Saturday, February 9th and 10th at the Long Beach Convention Center. For more information and registration details, go to steamcalifornia.org. That's steamcalifornia.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, mavericks, 
M-A-V-E-R-I-X. Be sure you subscribe. It's free by clicking the link on our website. Our music is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at Pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day. <laughs>